this is it, man, this is war Once we're done, we'll play some more, yeah Come with me, I know what to do Come with me, I will play cool Here we go again with another open pitch session hosted by Kubi United. Kubi United believes that we are all on the same team and the health of the sport comes from open dialogue and a collaboration between all Kubi enthusiasts. If you enjoy Open Pitch or anything else Kubi United is doing, please consider making a donation at kubiunited.com. Whether one-time or recurring, you can help offset the real cost of our efforts to support the community and advance this great game we all love. I'm Evan Fitzgerald, president of Kubi United. He's Dobby, a.k.a. Josh Feather, Kuber extraordinaire and director of Kubi United. We have Chad Bevers of Fox Valley Cube and another director of Kubi United, and we are happy to be hosting the 11th Open Pitch episode. This episode is supported by the Visit Beloit JET Grant Program and the U.S. Open Tournament that will be held in Beloit, Wisconsin on August 5th. Also, we'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at Viva Media who have done an amazing job of editing and producing our last four episodes. That is VIVI Media. Our friend Reese Wood is turning our hot mess of a broadcast into something that sounds like we know what we're doing. The guy's a miracle worker. Check out his podcast, The Beloit Podcast, and follow along with him on really cool projects that he's been producing at Vivi Media. Here we go. The last baseline is down. The king has been killed. We've shaken hands, and now it's time to chat on the open pitch. All right, fellas, we're going to start this cast out with a new icebreaker tonight. Talk about what have you learned recently about the game of Coog. Let's start off with Dobby here. Dob, you've been going to Nats for seven years now. Do you ever learn anything new? Absolutely. Yeah, this old dog still learns new tricks, actually. There's two things that kind of come to mind out of uh, last weekend's Nationals. Pat Rupp for Skull taught me something about color. And, you know, being a creative, it, it really resonated with me. And one of the things that I noticed during our game on Sunday with Skull was that Pat was putting all of the baselines dark side up. And once he started doing that, I kind of figured it out. Like, he was giving me a less visible target. He was giving our team a less visible target. And I thought that was really interesting because over the course of, you know, many games, little advantages like that, I, I would expect to probably add up. Uh, one of the things that I learned from Pat on Sunday was dark side up on the baselines. The other one is kind of funny. I was talking with Jesse Frame because I had asked him about, in one of their games, they had a punishment cube that they had to place. And you could tell that Jesse had a mission, and he took that punishment cube and he put it on the king. And I couldn't figure out, what, why is Jesse doing this on the king? And it was so that they wouldn't forget to place it and that they wouldn't forget, you know, that that was the last thing that they need to place. One of the things that you'll see teams do sometimes is go place the punishment and then resolve the, the field tubes without kind of considering how many batons it's going to take the opponent in, in the field. So I asked him about it later. I'm like, Jesse, why in the heck did you take that tube over and place it on the king? It was kind of a funny story. And he kind of threw Paul Weakland <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me that um, Paul had later, I think it was either Saturday or earlier that, that Sunday, he had put a uh, punishment in his pocket because he didn't want to go place it. And he didn't want to miss out on, you know, setting up the cubes because, you know, that's, that's a team portion of the game. And he walked off with the punishment cube in his hand, in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> 
They almost ended up not not placing this punishment because Paul is carrying it around in his in his drawers. So, <laughs> dude, I'm losing it. That was such a great story. Oh, Paul's laughing too, but yeah. So the the other thing I learned was always put your punishments on the king. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, just in case. That's, right. That'd be a first. I haven't seen that one before. <laughs> All right, Chad, did you pick up anything new this week? Well, I don't know if I can compare to Adabi there, but um, yeah, one thing I learned new is with the New York Kuban article that was written about how to build your own coop set, learn that it's a little bit more difficult for the guys down in North Carolina to, I guess, buy inch and three-quarter-inch dowels for the baton. I guess, didn't realize that uh, they don't have any Menards down there, so they have to order them online. So I thought that was kind of interesting with that. They, so they can't find any inch and three-quarter inch dolls with any stores anywhere down in that area. So again, interesting. Just a little tidbit that I learned this week. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It, sooner or later, Amazon is just going to be able to send a drone with like four by four popular popular right to your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wave of the future. Yeah, I guess on that one note too, I did, I did see that one of uh, I know everybody know Claire knows him real well, and he, he came to our our Beloit tournament the first year. Drew Brandenburg, and he had an injury making a cube set. So hopefully, Drew, you heal well. If, if anybody can pass it on, we really appreciate it. He's a really nice guy. So yeah. So definitely be careful when you're making the coop sets, too. I know there's been a couple pretty bad injuries that we've known of with people working King. But uh, one thing, I, I kind of, you know, was able to kind of watch the games. Uh, you know, I love what Kuban was doing with some of the live videos and, and watching, you know, and especially that, that final game there. I mean... I'm sure Dobby's trying not to remember that one at all, but you know we're starting to see some of these quick games, especially with the eight meter getting so strong. So you know, I thought it was. I still think it's an awesome thing that we did to to remove those. Uh, you know, get away from the six baton opener. So you know, I'm kind of wondering if I don't know. It might be time to you know even look at. I mean, we're not probably not there yet, but I think as teams keep getting as strong as like Damage Inc. is, you know, maybe it's even maybe kind of start going back to looking at some of the openers again, maybe a 3-6 or even the cut the cake or some of that. You know, I said we're probably a couple of years from getting to where teams are, are as strong as what we saw there in the finals. But uh, that's certainly something to think about, um, you know, because I think that time's coming where that, you know, we've known and Chris has done a lot of that. Chris Hodges has done a lot of the analysis on it. And the two four six has, you know, a pretty strong advantage, especially if you knock out those first two coups to begin a game. Um, Obviously, we, you know, there's anecdotal things where people do come back, and but it, it definitely, I think we've all known it and feel it. If somebody gets those first two coops on you in the game, you're you're feeling uh, the four just ain't enough to come back. That's just that's something I picked up anyway. I guess we can go into some upcoming events. Uh, we'll turn it over to Chad Bevers. What's what's coming up this month? So what we have coming up this Saturday, July 22nd, is the Stoughton Coop Invitational. And it is two days, three hours, four minutes, and 45 seconds to the Stoughton Coop Invitational <laughs> Countdown. <laughs> That's going to be held this Saturday, July 22nd, at Virgin Lake Park in Roby Road in Stoughton, Wisconsin. Registration is still open. The registration that day begins at 8 a.m. Uh, play starts at 9. The tournament's open to two to six players and cost us $40 per team. Everybody's welcome. Kids with uh, players 12 and under play for free. And there'll be, let's see here, top eight teams will be seated in the championship and go from there. So going to be full fun down in Stoughton. That is uh, registration still open for that. So be sure to check the website on kubinited.com forward slash Stoughton is where you can register for that. And Todd's also expecting some walk-up entries. So if you're in that area... 
feel free to walk up. Absolutely, and, and the proceeds will will do local charities for that as well too. So a good a good good tournament in rain or shine. Make sure to register for that one. Uh, the the next one that's on the schedule is actually July 29th, the Nordic Fest Coop Tournament, which is happening at the Decorah Middle School at 405 Michael Street in Decorah, Iowa. Uh, that is Saturday, July 29th, from 1 p- to 7 p.m. And what they're like the Nordic Fest is after the parade tournament is back for 2017. So it looks like they're at 10 to 12:30 p.m. Coop pitches will be set up for friendlies and teaching coops anyone that stops by. And the tournament will begin around the 1:30 p.m. mark. Again, that is in uh, the Decorah, Iowa, Saturday, July 29th. Yeah, and big uh, big thank you to Dee Dee Halverson and Jason Halverson for kind of helping that tournament come together. Jason Larson wasn't able to, to be there this year and they, they stepped up and they're, you know, they, they thought it was, it, it's such a really cool festival. I know a few friends of mine from Iowa are actually talking about going up and it is a great festival if you can make it out there. I think there's even a bus from Stoughton, Wisconsin heading there. So hopefully uh, some of those guys will be ready to play some Kube as well. Okay, next step up here is our Kube United mailbag. So it's time to check the mailbox. If you'd like to send us some hate mail, please email us at unitedwecube at gmail.com. Troll us on Facebook or connect with us through Discord. So, Josh, did you get a chance to check that email today? Yeah, we actually got an email from Jason Havelson. He's the co-director of the Cubing to Kick Cancer Tournament in Katzen, Minnesota. I think he was teaming up the Man Cubes team at the U.S. National Tournament through Discord. He asks, early in the day, it was quickly becoming apparent that two camps were forming, those that enjoyed the whistle And those that didn't, which side did you join and why? My answer is I was under the impression that everyone enjoyed it. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I I hated, I I hated the whistle. I hated the cowbell. We actually talked about changing our our team next year from kubeunited.com to less cowbell. Uh, But I will give, I will give, I will give Chaska one thing. I loved the squeaky muscle man. Looked just like my uncle. I loved it. So that's my answer. <laughs> okay, it wasn't Good there. Good job, Chaska. Give me the story on the uh, <laughs> the squeaky muscle man. Well, I, I don't know if there's really a story other than every once in a while you'd hear a train coming through Eau Claire. Okay. <laughs> and then every other once in a while you'd hear a muscle man squeaking. I don't know. <laughs> I know it was probably when I was hitting eight meters. And <laughs> that's when I heard it, when I was trying to hit eight meters. So. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> All right. I, I assume it was for when Chaska did awesome. <laughs> uh, beeping <laughs> was all the time on Saturday and Sunday because that team did awesome. All the teams from Chaska did awesome throughout the tournament. So yeah, no doubt. Less cowbell, JP. If you're listening, less <laughs> freaking cowbell. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So uh, all right, let's uh, on the count of three here. Let's all hear a hoo ha Chaska. Ready? One, two, three. Hoo ha Chaska. Hoo ha Chaska. Okay, that was terrible. But anyway. <laughs> All right, next up, we have the, in two weeks, a little over two weeks, we have the U.S. Cube Open that uh, obviously Cube United, they were sponsoring. And Chad, will you get some updates for us? Yeah, we 
have a lot of stuff going on, and teams are really starting to to trickle in at science now. And usually, that's what the case is for most tournaments. If you're a tr- tournament director, obviously, what you like to see is to have the team sign up a little bit ahead of time to kind of get an idea what's going on. But understanding that uh, experienced tournament directors usually they find that the teams usually come in later than you really want, which is fine. So yeah, right now I think we're up to well on the Kubinited page posted today as of today right now we are at 42 teams at 43 now we I, had a, another one just came in okay so 43 teams <laughs> so which is which is fantastic it's awesome we do have verification that we will have a live broadcast from WJVL who has been very supportive and very patient with us through some stuff we've been doing in the background they will be there doing a live broadcast from 11 a.m to 1 p.m. for two hours, and it's going to be a big tournament. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun party again. Registration is still open for that. It's August 5th at Riverside Park in Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, with the partnership of Beloit Parks and Leisure Services, and Visit Beloit uh, will be putting on the 2017 U.S. Cube Open. So hope to see everybody there. It's going, to be, it's going to be a fun time. So I do know, Evan, that what do you think right now, all realistically, that uh, we could possibly see for team talent in your in your eyes. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I was really kind of beating the bushes today, trying to get some idea, you know people who'd said they were coming or planning on coming, and I, I've had some really pleasant uh, <laughs> pleasant projections at this point. I, from what I, if everybody told me today that they're coming, I know we're in the mid fifties, and uh, you know I know there's visit Beloit and talking the city. You know they're they're pretty excited. They want you know they'd love to get to sixty five plus. I know that was kind of a stretch goal of ours, and uh, it's definitely possible. Darren Finger and I went out. Actually, it was earlier. I think it was late last week. We we walked. Actually, I guess it was Monday. We walked the grounds and uh, did some measuring just to make sure we you know we'd have plenty and we can get up to eighty teams pretty comfortably. So so we're you know we're really excited about that. You know one thing that if we do have to go over 64 we're even kind of debating on whether we might do this anyway is that you know then we'd have to run it as two classic format um is something that i know chaska guys are talking about doing at the midwest something you know we've always wanted to try out so hopefully uh, help us get over that 64 and, and it's going to force us to do it we got the volunteers ready to do it so you know it's something that we're we're strongly planning for now just in case we do get over that number it's or, or we may just do it so we'll have an announcement on that hopefully soon but uh yeah like i said keep those registrations coming we're excited. A lot of really cool things happening. Looks like we're going to have a really nice team player count for the individual tournament on Sunday. For those who want to stick around, we'll be playing some one versus one coup nine to noon, and that one's free. So, uh, you know, hopefully stick around that Saturday night. We'll we'll go out at the town after the U.S. Open, and then uh, the next morning come back and kill some kings in the morning. And it's something we're really excited about here. It's, as we're getting closer, I think all the organizers know you're getting more nervous and nervous as it comes. But uh, with that nervousness, is a lot of excitement right now. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see you all there. All right, fellas. Uh, so, gentlemen, U.S. National Championship was held last Saturday and Sunday, and once again, it was a final showdown with Damage Incorporated in the kubeunited.com team with Damage Incorporated once again repeating as national champions. Uh, let's take a little time to reflect on our predictions and thoughts from the weekend from the last time we got together for a podcast. Just kind of talk about what how things went compared to what you, we, we kind of projected there. I don't know, Chad, is there anything you want to start off with us? One thing that is, because yeah, I was watching here on home uh, at home here on Saturday as well as Sunday, and the live broadcast that Kuban and some of the other uh, 
folks were doing there was amazing. It's nice to see that because, you know, it gives a chance for other people that can't attend the tournament, even some fans of the, the sport of Coupe, gives them an opportunity to, to watch the games and see what's going on there. So that was one of the big things that I really appreciated, the time that people spent to, you know, take up their phones and start going on Facebook Live and showing the games and, and letting other people, you know, join in to the sport that are maybe sitting at home or, you know, wherever they're at. I see that being more and more popular in, in the future and something that I think is really good for Coupe in general. So uh, as well as to see some amazing games and some amazing Coupe being played on both Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday, the finals was some of the best efficient Coupe I've ever seen played uh, from a three-person team on both sides of the pitch so that was pretty amazing yeah no doubt so josh being the uh the one out of the three of us who was actually there that weekend uh gonna give us some of your impressions and you had a really unique perspective making it all the way to the finals once again i want to make sure that i touch on some of the things that chad said but i want to start on saturday with some great curb on saturday it wouldn't be Saturday without running into a Kaboom team. And we, we had the pleasure of playing a, a really good Kaboom team there late late on Saturday. And after that game, you know, after after Saturday was over, the team kind of grabbed the, the brewskis and went over to watch the Coob Squirrels take on Tears Trey. That was a slugfest. It was it was really good Coob. I think one of my favorite things about going to nationals is finishing up and watching some high quality Coob on Saturday drinking a beer and, and we were able to do that and it was a good time. That was the game. I think there was a couple other games going on. That was the one that, that was kind of closest to our tent so we just cracked a few open and kind of watched it. It was awesome. Uh, Coob Squirrels narrowly defeated tier stray there on, on Saturday to make it to Sunday. As far as Sunday goes, I think I got to eat some crow. I had I had the ringers. I did. I had the ringers there at the bottom. The quadrant making it. It was really, I think, coup the night came hard. And between Erdman and Philly and Ford and, and the whistle and the cowbell and the squeaky man, they were able to take get that that Sunday game I believe I can't remember if it was Saturday it's such a blur because it's so much fun but it was either Saturday late Saturday or first thing in the morning on Sunday on the Orth. I had them kind of going to Sunday and it was essentially Micah and, and his family and they were tearing it up it was awesome to watch I think that was uh, a redhead at the end of the day team, right? yeah you're right and it was good stuff and, and you know, Coop United and, and Dana Jank in the finals there. You know, going back to what Chad said, it was probably the most efficient Coop, you know, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything or my team, but just looking at the game that the Dana Jank played, their game is probably the most efficient Coop that has ever been witnessed on Sunday at Nationals. Chris Hodges, our Coop United statistician, <laughs> Has a uh, he has efficiency scoring template that he uses, uh, and what it is, it's it's how well you did, how well we expect a team to do versus how well you really did. So it's kind of an expectation versus reality, and the expectation is built based on thousands of scored games since 2014. And, you know, that's a lot of data and, and you know, it, it's all normalized and there, there's data in there, obviously, from around the world. There's data in there from a six baton open. There's data in there from a two four six. At the end of the day, though, there's this efficiency score that comes from all of these games. 
So if you score 100% efficiency based on this, this Hodges efficiency scoring, that means that you've done 100%. And when we took the efficiency scoring and we kind of broke it down and looked at, at what Damage Inc. did on Sunday to us, it was either 180 or 190% efficiency. It was insane. It is so much better feeling when you aren't tripping over your own and the other team just essentially destroys you because they beat you and you didn't lose. And that's exactly what happened. Damage Incorporated destroyed us. And it was awesome because we got beat. And I think if you ask any good team, any good player, they would rather get beat than lose, if that makes any sense at all. But at the end of the day, this is a completely new thing. Both teams played lights out, except for my drilling. Both teams played lights out. We were hitting our eights. We were doing this. We were doing that. And at the end of the day, we're playing 180 to 190% more efficient, at least damaging, damaging was, than what the expectation of a Coug game should be, or at least the expectation of what a Coug game has been in the past. That's something to reflect on, you know. If, if you're not practicing in the backyard trying to be twice as good, you don't have a chance. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very impressive performance. I you know we've we've certainly seen some of those quick matches. I'd say over the years, even, but obviously not not at that stage or that level with that many people watching. So you know, definitely hats off to Damage Inc. It was it was it was cool to watch. I mean, I remember watching last year, and I think, I think you guys had a lot more weather. And like you said, it was probably more of a situation where teams you know were kind of losing themselves a bit in the finals and it's interesting watching the same two teams come back and playing at such a high level once again and you know it, it was fun to watch both hats hats off to both teams and you know and definitely damage inc i really enjoyed talking with them this week on the podcast so uh if anybody's just listening to this one for the first time please go back to 10 and episode 10 and listen to the damage inc it was a is a really excellent interview those guys did so i kind of the same boat as chad i kind of watched it from afar and they uh definitely kind of kept updated with uh darren finger and my brother or you know pat rupp he was he was giving me some some updates as things went so it was kind of actually it was really cool you know even sitting back at home and being able to follow as much as i did you know definitely i want to thank kuban for for all they did there and I, I think there's a few other people out there doing some some live feeds it's uh it's definitely come a long way for watching remotely and and that was, that was a cool experience um, my bracket i actually did really really well i was like i had 14 out of 16 of the teams that made it i think probably the one i think i touched on it a lot last podcast that group u that was sounded like it was a dog fight and I, I think i got a little bit lucky there with actually picking the order on that one kind of been chatting with my buddies from back at the california cougars and i'd said it's like you know if, if you do finish fourth i mean don't don't get your head down because your path looks you know it's definitely doable. I've seen them play, and and you know I know they were a team that was definitely one of those teams that could play on Sunday if if things worked out right. And you know, in finishing fourth, they still had a good path to there, and uh, you know at least one, and they and they came through. And from what I saw, uh, one of the, the live games they had, or, or somebody had a YouTube or something on them playing. It looks like they were playing very high level. So hats off to them. Hats off to the whole U, my friends at Coob Life. So you know it was really cool seeing that. And Coob uh, Squirrels, of course, went in that one. And the Coobaholics, I think you know they looked like that. that third path they had a little tougher day on saturday than maybe the other three 
when I was at least at least when I was predicting my bracket. So so it sounded like they just came up a little bit short. But I know that's a good team that I don't think anybody would be surprised to see them on Sunday here in the future as well. That was pretty cool. And actually, and then out of the final four, the only one I did miss was I had two beardos and a weirdo making it into that final four. And uh, it sounded like they just came up a little bit short. Definitely, I uh, hope uh, Emily Jipps is feeling better. I know she was playing with a broken foot for them to get T5 with uh, one of their players having an injury. You know, definitely hats off to those guys as well. So that was kind of my impression from sitting in afar. And, but overall, it, uh, it like I said, it was a pretty neat experience even watching it from afar. So congratulations to all the teams that were there. So the next thing on is the U.S. Cube Open. Even ever since Beloit, I think since the second year we had the tournament, was really the only tournament that has had active referees as part of the part of the curriculum. The first year we just had it in the semifinals and finals. Obviously last year for the U.S. Open, we had the referee pro, you know, act, had active referees. And once again, we'll have them there this year. Actually have Josh Feathers here, our head referee, and talk a little bit about some of the work that I know him and Chad have been doing on the on the referee program. I think it's important to kind of provide an update on the referee program. Chad and I have been kind of knocking this around for the last year. And for those that don't know, Kibbe United has been developing a referee certification process. We feel a certification process can help support tournament organizers out there looking to ensure player expectations, especially those players that consider themselves athletes. The expectations are met through this general framework of, of refereeing and certification. This may include active referees, which is generally our recommendation, but has been built to incorporate uh, passive referees as well. So we tried to ensure it was a one-size-fits-all program, but we didn't want to exclude tournaments that uh, didn't have active referees or we're looking to do maybe more recreational events. You know, many of our listeners probably know we, we did a pilot of a test that was communicated via the uh, Discord channel, Kib United Discord, and just want to thank those that helped us pilot the program. Uh, we were able to refine some of the questions as part of that process. And just an update since the pilot, since we went live and published the certification program, and publish the referee manual, which is out at kubeunited.com in our rules section. We've certified three referees so far, or four. We've certified four referees, I believe. Lynn Sager, Neil Weekland, and Jesse Frame, as well as, I believe, Evan Fitzgerald is a referee now. I think we passed him on his test. So they have uh, honestly demonstrated significant rules knowledge, uh, but more importantly, uh, the, the thing we look for when we go to certify referees is their ability to, to use critical thinking skills, right, and outstanding communication to ensure when a ruling comes up that it's handled amicably, right, for both teams. That's the most important part. I have also taken the test, and, and I believe my peers passed me as well, so I plan on refereeing the U.S. Open this year as well. I have taken the two as well, and I think I believe I passed. No, I didn't pass you. No. Okay, so Thumbs down. No, you, you said Coop used baseballs and you had to run around to bases or something. <laughs> Read that manual, but, Chad. Yeah, all kidding aside here is that we expect all Coop United members to take the same exact test that everybody else does. That's what we've come up with. So everybody that is part of Coop United, we've taken a test. The people that have yep. chosen right. to take the test have taken the test. The same test that everybody else takes. There's no skipping, put it that way. Correct. 
Right. It, it's funny, you know, I obviously left, left Chet out of that conversation. I shouldn't have, and I apologize <laughs> for that. But I do want to make one point clear. One of the first tournaments that ever ever had active referees was Fox Hollow Cube, Clash of Cube. Right. And I had I saw Chad looking at my partner, man, I had to call him off because his foot was just over the line. He got away with not getting a penalty on that throw. You know, Chad's been inspired and passionate about active referees longer than I have and for what he did out at the Clash of Cube and Fox Valley when we went out there. That made me become inspired, and it made me feel that that was a not the the right way, not the best way, but a way that a tournament could run. Tournament organizer was interested in doing this. There, there's no formula right now for that. There's no there's no guidelines. There's no best practices. And at Kobe United, we felt that at least you know with, with the experience and knowledge of the six, seven, you know, all the people that are working on it, that we could put something together to help the community. Has off to Chad for for kind of being the pioneer in that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh sometimes people kind of wonder, well, why do we have referees? And you know, I mean, it, obviously, self referee and it has been certainly fairly successful at almost all the tournaments we've attended and stuff. The one thing we kind of look at in the future is, you know, when you, when you look at some of these other kind of emerging sports and you know cornhole or I mean some of these other ones, but I mean that there's more and more money being involved, and so you know we kind of envision Coob to someday being something that's really nationally being paid attention to and you know and as obviously as the money gets bigger or teams get more and more serious more competitive um, you know we kind of wanted to start laying that groundwork for a referee program or to try to work out what you know the kinks and what it takes to, to, to actually do a referee uh, active refereeing on Coob. you know we do other things that obviously with the painted lines we think helps out a lot it makes it easier to self-referee as well as actively referee a couple other things that you know we do we try to we think kind of helps out a little bit but you know obviously teams that doesn't you know take any of the ownership off of you guys to try to be watching your teammates or are being actively part of the game but it's just something that we feel like is, is you know something in the future that Coob could certainly uh, benefit from so that that's been kind of a, I, I, you know my perspective anyway that's been our thinking I don't know Josh or Chad is there any other benefits you really see yeah yeah you make a great point you talk about referees are there when a violation or enforcement's needed where it isn't quickly handled by both teams. That's, you know, active referees aren't there to get up in your grill, so to speak. We're not there to educate the the game on a level that is encroaching on the way you guys play it, right, as, as players. We built into the kind of our philosophy if if the teams handle it and it and it's at the mutual satisfaction of the players and the referees and the tournament organizers, then we're good, right? If there's no disruption to the game, to the flow of the game, that's our goal. Where we have to potentially come into play is if there's questions. If if there's an edu- if there's a way that we can educate a player, that's really the purpose of any penalty is to, is to help educate the player not to make the similar mistakes in the future. So we're there to explain the rules, to explain the policies, and and to reinforce that education, you know, as as appropriate. But it's been my experience, at least with the Open and the the tournament in Fox Valley, the Clash of Coob, where we had active referees. Just the fact that there's active referees handles ninety percent of the issues that come up because both teams know that there's someone there that they can turn to if they have a question. I, I would say that's the golden rule, right, of, of Coob referees is if both teams are good, we're good. The, the, I guess the, the silver rule is 
referees are human and make mistakes. And we built this into the philosophy, right? And and there's going to be times where that happens and we will acknowledge it, we'll apologize and we'll fix it and correct it as, as much as possible. But we do feel that having active referees can enhance the, the sport for, for players that not only are playing at a high, highly competitive level, but I, even at a friendly level, where they're as, as education, as advocates, as sponsors of the game. And from my experience, at least with the Open and when I when I refereed it, it was never weird to have It never felt like anyone felt that we were there to be this shadow right behind them watching what they were doing. It was always about transparency and learning the game better and, and, and trying to teach and educate players, even off the pitch when they weren't playing. And people would come up and ask us questions off the pitch. We'd be able to answer them. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Tournament Organizer of 2016, it felt like things weren't really smooth that day. Yeah, there's no doubt things went smooth. Like what you said, as a player, and the refs come into play only when the teams cannot come to a resolution and normally what I've seen happen because I mean as a director I wasn't actually watching per se everything but I could see when because we use radios so I could I know when the head ref was called over for a call which some of our level one refs would call over the head ref Josh would go over and take a look at it and make a judgment call I think that it works really well that way because as a player coming into play at a tournament you're there as a player not as a referee in my opinion so you take that out of the play you can concentrate on your game you can have fun at it you can have somebody else there make a call that knows the game can make it more efficient for everybody and that's what it's really about and the calls that were made you know if some of our level one refs couldn't make the make the call they would call the head ref over Josh would make the call and the game would continue and there was it ran really smooth. It went it went really well. And for those who aren't there, they're maybe coming there this year at the U.S. Cube Open 2017. You'll see it if you have a question. Call referee over. They make the call, and you continue on with your game. There's not any of the stuff where a team may be playing and they see a, a questionable call. They don't have to feel like they have to make a call. They can just you know have a ref stop over, take a walk, you know look at it, and the game will continue as as efficient as possible. So it's good. It works out great. We put a lot of work into it. I think the pilot program has done a great job of it. Like I said, I ran it back when we had the Clash Cube and uh, worked out really well. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be great for the sport. Yeah, Chad, you make you make a good point. You know, when it when it comes to rules, we as refs, as a tournament organizer, or even as as opponents, we don't expect everything that a player does to be, you know, everything they do to be precise and specific. People are going to make mistakes. What we're there to do is to encourage the players that may violate a rule, right? Accidentally, oh, if I accidentally threw the baton kind of funky or I, oh, I stepped over the line. We're there to encourage them to call their own violations. Go ahead, mutually agree as a, as a team and enforce your own appropriate penalties. We don't have to get involved, right? That's built into the philosophy of, of our referee process, don't feel like, you know, oh, this is a tournament where there's going to be referees looming over you and watching everything you do. Play your game, and if you make a mistake, just say, hey, I made a mistake, it's cool, right? And, you know, we'll just reset however we need to. But what we don't want is 
people trying to make mistakes on purpose and exploit the rules. And that's the only thing we're there for. And just being there reduces that significantly. Yeah, it was, uh, some of the feedback I could actually was asking a bunch of the players and, you know, some experienced ones as well as some of the new ones. And, you know, I think a couple of people were kind of like, ah, you know, I'm struggling with getting, you know, throwing batons, you know, you know, horizontally. And, you know, then we just kind of, you know, try to spend time with them, explain, okay, this is the rule. This is, you know, maybe even some techniques or some ways they can do to try to throw it a little straighter, you know. So it was, you know, for both, you know, they said, you know, for the most part, everybody was like, you know, yeah, it was, it was good constructive you know we it's nice having somebody that if we had a question we know we know who to ask you know and even if he was uncomfortable you felt like another team was you know say pushing the boundaries felt comfortable say mention something to the ref they could keep an eye on it and kind of help like you said kind of educate you know then the other thing i actually heard was boy i wish you'd had more referees that day you know it was kind of nice not to be worrying too much about you know about the game as far as trying to have to watch so much closer so you know i mean we still like that way we definitely want to encourage everybody to be actively participating in the game even when they're not throwing whether it's helping your team mates or keeping an eye on things, you know, and definitely for safety reasons, you want to be paying attention when batons are coming across the pitch. But yeah, I, I, for, for everything I, we heard as a positive experience, you know, we're still kind of working out some of the level one referees and, and it's the one thing, you know, they, they're pretty limited on what they can even call. So part of that is if it's a, you know, for example, like a, if, if somebody's throwing horizontal batons, the level one guys can't actually actively make that call. They have to, you know, inform us, uh, except a lot of times they're watching for people stepping over the line or not leaving the pitch or some of the, you know, some of the more safety type concerns or, or things that are, you know, that they're, they're easier to do or, or even determine if a cube's in or out uh, when you stand it up. But so, and that's what's important about taking that test is, you know, we feel like, you know, as once we evaluate that, that you have to demonstrate a sufficient amount of knowledge of the game, have enough experience to be able to make those higher level calls. So that so that's built into it as well. Yeah, you make a good point, Evan, about the referee progression and the test that we have out there right now on KBUnited.com is generally for level two experience. So as far as level ones, you know, we're we're just looking for foot faults and for them to call in and out within, you know, if you want to be a level one, let me know. I'll get you hooked up. We'll get a tournament. But for the actual test is more the level two progression stuff. And and that comes with fundamental experience, such as being able to enforce illegal throws in addition to calling the foot faults and and the in and out. So if anyone's out there is interested in becoming, progressing through some of the referee uh, levels that we have or just want to learn more about what we've put together, I would encourage them to go out to kubeunited.com under our rules area and look at our referee documentation that we have out there. Yeah, like I said, read the referee manual. Uh, definitely know the rules. Kind of, you know, follow, check out the U.S. Open rules. We have kind of an addendum to the U.S. Nationals that we follow. You know, so definitely, hopefully, be familiar with those. And uh, you're welcome to to take that test if you want to see how you see where you're at with it. And we'll, you know, we'll be happy to give you feedback and, and and discuss it with you. All right, I think we're good on the referee. So now, last time we met, we discussed pledging to put more effort into adding more content for our followers. So I'm going to kind of throw out a question here to the guys. Uh, what have you done to provide the content or have you done to be even a good steward of the game? Kind of start off with Chad. Oh man, you're going to blast me with that question right away? <laughs> <laughs> you are warned. <laughs> you're warned. 
I, I tell you what, I've been looking into seeing what interest is done around here, and what I'm saying around here, around the Fox Valley. And I've been hearing some little tidbits of information that some people have been playing more and more. And so what I'm looking at is trying to uh, possibly start up a weekly get-together at a local bar uh, playing in the sand outside here coming in August. One of the newcomers that was to the game last year that played in, I think, her first tournament last year at the U.S. Open, she she lives here in the Appleton slash Fox Cities area, and uh, her and her husband are coming to play this year at the, the U.S. Open. And I uh, was talking to her a little bit tonight and asked if there was any interest in something like that. She goes, yeah, most definitely. I'm looking then to do that, maybe possibly start something in August of this year around here, trying to get the, that going. So that's kind of exciting, as well as behind the scenes. Again, really things are starting to ramp up here for the U.S. Open. Uh, we got you know, like two weeks left, and so there's there's final preparations of a lot of stuff going on. Really excited about that. Really excited about what we got going on in the next couple of weeks, and also preparing for this weekend. I plan on playing at the, the Stoughton uh, Invitational, uh, as well as the third tour of the Cheddar Curtain Tour is Stoughton. So looking forward to that. It should be a good time. And all I know, guys, is that the summer is flying by. I mean, it's it's already come up in August in a week. So I think that's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> definitely. No doubt. No doubt. Dobby, I know you've been doing some really cool stuff. Uh, anything you'd like to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to shout out to Chad. I hope uh, hope you can win one of those cutting-edge trophies out in Stoughton. In addition to that, I spent some time thinking about, uh, I, I guess I would call it aesthetic profiles or personality profiles for players of this great game. And I started putting my thoughts on paper and my thoughts ended up turning into sentences, which led to paragraphs. And I ended up kind of putting together a uh, a document and I don't wanna, I don't want to spoil it but there's going to be at some point and maybe it'll be published before or just a little bit after uh, this podcast goes live but it'll it'll be published through Kuban and if you don't know who Kuban is I would recommend taking a look at them out on uh, Facebook you just look for Kube space on and see the work that they're doing in the community it's amazing so I I ended up drafting up some uh, some content for Kuban and I'm hoping that we can get that published I I look at that as more as a as a guide for suppliers of tube set as tournament organizers as clubs that are that are looking to increase their membership as a way to just I guess rethink about the demographics of, of the player base within uh, the sport. What you'll see is not necessarily putting people into buckets or labels or whatnot, but just different aesthetic profiles. So I've been playing since 2010, and, and it, it feels to me that there's there's a couple different axes of player base throughout the the community, and not everyone's going to fit perfectly, obviously, into these different profiles, but I, I do think that it is a good resource for people that are trying to build up uh, the sport in their communities. It gives you just a different angle to, to look at it and, and and see how you can develop your marketing materials, your posters, your flyers, the business cards that you hand, hand out, documentation, 
you know, all this stuff to try to to get people interested in Kube. I think this is a resource that could help you think about that in a different way to, to help you get more people included and involved in the in the game. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away either, but uh, definitely look for it on Kube. And I, you know, I read it and, you know, it, it it's definitely got humor to it. Some of it definitely strikes home. You know, I think you will recognize each of you will definitely recognize yourselves in, in, in these profiles, but it, it's, if used and looked at as a tool, as, as kind of like Dobby was saying with all those different, different types of people who are involved with Kube in different ways, hopefully, you know, reflect on it. it it's got, it, there's some depth to it and it, it's pretty, it, it's a very interesting one. I know we'll be, you know, hopefully Dobby will come back and we, we can dive into it maybe a little deeper once, once everybody's been a chance to, to see the, see the article. So I uh, definitely look for it on Kuban. I, I don't want to give too much, but I, I found it to be a couple of days after reading it here. It's, it's kind of really changing my perspective on how I look at things. So definitely some very good work there. And I, I, hopefully everybody out there enjoys it and kind of looks at it for, you know, for the purpose it was is, 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 is a tool that we can all use. Uh, we'd definitely be happy to get some feedback on it. And like I said, it's, uh, it was definitely done with great intent. And I think it's, it's a very good tool. As far as like myself's content, um, you know, I think we've had three podcasts since then. Definitely have a nice setup here now. I kind of got it to where it's a lot easier for me to do the these podcasts. You know, I have a, an editor there at Vivi Media. It's making my life so much easier, you know, to to have that consulting and that helping with the editing. So I think that the benefit is now I'm, I'm really excited about the future of this podcast and all the different people. I mean, we've been kind of putting together lists of, hey, who do we want to talk to? I mean, it's, you know, we're looking at, you know, we want to get some new players on. We kind of some live things at some of the tournaments where we do some quick interviews and um, we're looking at you know people who are even writing about Kube, people who are you know hopefully uh, we'd like to get some of the charities that are on that people are playing for out at some of these events get them on and maybe find out a little bit more about them uh, so like so we're really open to ideas there's definitely a lot of players and clubs and we want to get to all of you and you know, over time we'll definitely you know, make that stuff I got a couple people coming up hopefully this next week that I think will be a lot of fun so I mean, I'm really excited about the direction of this and hopefully hopefully people are enjoying it and sharing and definitely love to hear from you i want to thank josh and, and chad for coming back on and look for us all three to come back pretty soon and talk a lot more cube awesome thank you guys yeah, thank you awesome stuff catch you next episode all right thank you all for listening and please subscribe to kube united podcast at blog kube united on itunes and stitcher and follow us at kube united on facebook twitter instagram and youtube good kubing everyone Knock down your coops and you throw them